Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Hello. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little cross-faded at the moment. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. So this is going to be a very... Uh... A very sloppy episode. <laughs> a I, very I could, sloppy I, mess. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't even think of the word. And I'm not even cross-faded. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might be sharper than you today. I don't know. That's don't know. true. Maybe you might. Yeah, you, you've uh, been enhanced. Yeah, I'm enhanced. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm in outer space. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Um, so uh, we just wanted to kind of kick things off on a fun note today. We don't want to get into, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world. Oh you my know. God. You know. There's too much. There's too, too much. much. So we're going to keep this light and fun and we're going to play a little game. I'm excited. So we have decided to play a creepy... Spooky, spooky, cokey, and creepy game of uh, Would You Rather, which I don't think we've played yet. No, we have not played this yet. Yes, yeah, so this will I be... guess Fuck Mary Kill is kind of in that same vein. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's like the people version of that. Right, right, like the normal. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is, I guess, situational, and and I I picked a random list on Google that said it was uh, like creepy, scary ones. So um, okay, we'll see how it is. So we have. Uh, 40 different questions. We're only going to do like, what, three each? And we're each yeah. randomly going to pick a number. We haven't read these. Um, I don't think. I mean, I haven't. No, I have not. This is right. like all brand new to me. Right. So um, we're just <laughs> each going to pick a number between one and 40. And then um, we're going to do our best to answer. Why don't you start today? Okay. You pick a number. I'll pick a number. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with my lucky number 11. Ah, that's <laughs> my lucky number, you bitch. Okay. You didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Would you rather be tortured by a ghost or an alien? Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, um. <laughs> Well, this is okay. What kind of torture? (laughs) (laughs) Sexual torture? Because if we're talking that, I would say alien because they seem kind of slender. Like they might just be (laughs) able to slide everything into place. Yeah, I feel like there's like nothing but like probing when it comes to um, yeah, you know, like, aliens oh. and UFOs. Like, oh, I've been probed. Yeah, I was probed in my busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, a ghost, I would rather be tortured. Okay, I'm going to say a ghost. That's going to be my final answer because oh, wow. aliens kind of freak me out. But if I being tortured by a ghost, I might be able to write a book about it and then go off and make a movie about me. Yeah, I also you know feel like it'd probably be easier to negotiate with a ghost because I assume that they're like they used to be a person I feel like aliens okay. you know we our communication would be so you know totally different worldly that I I wouldn't know yeah, how I wouldn't ha- know how to negotiate my way out of it aliens would be able to go into your mind and like seek the darkest and deepest like 
fetish or something like that. And then they might just be able to use it against you or like a secret you've been having, you know, and they can reach into your mind and pull out that information and use it against you. (laughs) Bitch, you are high. (laughs) How do you know aliens do that? (laughs) Because they just know that, you know, we're a part of them. (laughs) We're a part of them. They're a part of us. They'd be able to read our minds and, and really pull out things that we've maybe suppressed work okay great (laughs) (laughs) all right my turn okay okay i'm gonna pick uh let's do 33 33 yeah why not (laughs) bitch let me scroll down (laughs) okay oh oh my god okay would you rather murder your best friend brutally (laughs) Or be murdered by your best friend. Oh my god. Oh wow. Wait, that's kind of a that's an interesting one. Um Brutally, it says. Brutally. Like this Brutally. Is like, like insides on the outside. Like Brutally. Brutally. <laughs> <laughs> brutally. <laughs> okay, uh, I think that I would rather I mean, I guess you know, be murdered by my best friend. I mean, I don't know why. You know what? They'll no. make a movie about it. Yeah. And you'll be the star and the other person will be the villain. Mm, no, fuck that. I want to, I'm going to murder, murder my best friend. And then um, they oh. can make a movie for me about me and I'll be in jail and I'll be a star. So telling the story, telling the story. <laughs> I never liked the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> best friend. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like best backstabbing whore. Yeah. <laughs> so watch your back, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Death of me, a cheerleader. I, yes, Tori Spelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Kelly Martin or is that her name? <laughs> Kelly Rowland. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. Your turn. I'm going to say number... Don't be cheating. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking. 24. 24, okay. Ooh, okay, well, this is sort of similar. All right, would you rather be a victim of a serial killer or turn into a serial killer? What world are you living in? I don't know. I could do, like, freaky and do both. No, you can't do freaky because that's not real. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, the victim. Yes. I'm I'm definitely more suited to be a Sydney Prescott than a Billy Loomis. But she's not and a I don't victim. Wanna... She's a fighter, okay? Well, exactly. I can always turn my storyline around and be the final girl or something. That's true. I know. But you'd probably most likely be like a Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Like she's I think a victim. I would be a Tatum. I would be a Tatum. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're tiggle bitties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do I look like? The beer witch? <laughs> <laughs> Your Barbie doll head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> All right. My turn. All right. Hopefully we don't get a similar one again. Okay. I'm gonna say. Uh, let's go with like an early one. Let's do like uh, five. Ooh, okay. Would you rather live a miserable eternal life or go straight to hell tomorrow? Oh my god. <laughs> that, reminds, well, that reminds me of my uh, my um 
my monologue. Yeah, I know. The, you know. I know. Well, Halloween episode. Since we've already been to hell, I know what it's like. <laughs> and um, you know, at least I get to uh, perform on stage. <laughs> Miserably. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like that like miserable thing forever is very like Anne Rice vampire. It's very like broody. Le- Doomed like, to roam the earth yes, for a thousand years. Lu- yeah, Louis. <laughs> yeah, like a like an emo vampire. Um, mm-hmm. Which I mean, that could be fun. No, it wouldn't be fun. It'd be lonely and sad. You might be able to dress it up, and look cute. That's true. I get to wear. Cl- you know, outfits through the ages. <laughs> oh, I've had this since the 1800s. <laughs> 18... <laughs> All of a sudden, you're a time traveling vampire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because they live forever. Oh, yeah, but okay. This oh, we're talking about from this... the time we were born? <laughs> yes, this gets, gets into when I was killed. So I've a... had this since 1999. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess my answer would probably be, um, I'm going to say miserably roam the earth forever. <laughs> okay. You've, we've, I've convinced myself with this fashionable yeah. theory. Hell just sounds so hot. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And I hate, yeah, heat. Ugh. Yeah. It's, you know, the heat, the humidity. Oh no. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Your turn. Boy. Oh, okay, okay. Number... 19. 19. But I'm old for my age. I'm just born to be bad. I once was born to be bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ooh, okay. Would you rather wake up with an IV in a creepy hospital... Or chained to a radiator in an empty room. Oh, okay. I feel like if I was trapped in a hospital, it would already be the end. Like, uh, there's no way I'm getting out. I'm not that <laughs> smart. I'm not that fast. Um, in a hospital? And maybe in a, a radiator in an empty room, I might be able to, you know, escape. Oh, okay. See, I don't... Yeah, I think... My... What if I fuck up taking the IV out? Oh, I know. See, that's the part that freaks me out. I don't like that. oxygen travels to my brain or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't want to be poked with no needles. Especially when, <laughs> especially when I don't know where they come from. I'm a federal agent, too. I work at the post office. <laughs> you know what that's from? Yes. What is that? Wait. Um, and we, we That's from the heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we... What she say? She's like, and we... We applaud your work down on the street, or what does she say? You bet your ass you do. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> um, okay, so you said in an in an empty room with empty a radiator. Room. All right, radiator. all right. Good to know. Good to know. I'm getting out of that. Hell Trust. yeah, it's very saw. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, this is my this is my last this one. Is- your last one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, let's go with magical number 40. Ooh, number 40. Would you rather date someone hot who has killed before or be alone for the rest of your life? Oh, absolutely date a serial killer. Duh. <laughs> or not even a serial killer, just somebody who's killed before. Ooh, that's kind of like... 
I don't know. That's kind of like, what's the story? Like, can I get involved? Like, you know, when you get to a certain age in life, you have to think about the decisions you make in life will end up being a scene in the movie about (laughs) your life. Exactly. Like, I so if you die tragically and they're like, I'm gonna make a movie about this person's life, you want to have like interesting stories to tell, hot people around you. If someone was a killer, (laughs) that's great. Dress cute, you know. Yeah, always dress cute so that you know when they make the movie about your life, it's not like it's even more exaggerated. It's even more Hollywood. Yes, you go down a legend. Yes, yes. How do you want to be remembered when you're (sighs) dead? Absolutely, because you will die. And it's as the girlfriend of a of a murderer. That's what it is. <laughs> Call me Tiffany. Tiffany right. Valentine. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany Pollard. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 the HBIC. Okay. okay, so your final one. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to go with number 23. Is that Michael Ooh. Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know, bitch. Sports? What? What? I <laughs> know. I think so. Miley Cyrus wore that jersey in that music video. I think that's a twenty. Okay. Yes. So, okay, so I'm gonna say yes. All right. Twenty. Ooh, this is perfect. Okay. <clears throat> Would you rather find out you were a vampire or a werewolf? Bitch, have you seen the hair on my arms? I'm already a werewolf. Oh my, <laughs> a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, a vampire for sure. I don't oh. want my skin ripping off every time there's a full moon. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And do you want, honestly, vampires are just, they're hotter. They're sexier. They're more ooh. fashionable. Again, as we've come again, to learn. I know shit. All, why are all our decisions based on what we look like? We're shallow. I know, but hey. Shallow, lalo, lalo. Don't you want to, be, I would rather be the sexy vampire, the seductress. Yes. Of the night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The children of the night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Creature of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, no. So this, yeah. So this ties in perfectly with our film today because our film today is all about hot boys in leather. Ooh. Ooh yeah. Sucking blood and sucking <laughs> face. Because we are talking about the 1980. Seven. Seven. What I said. (laughs) (laughs) Movie, uh, The Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher. Oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. I know. The mastermind behind Batman and Robin. So. Um, and turning the whiz into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. You know what? Yeah. You know what? He, he contributed some really amazing things to pop culture. And, um, oh you God. know, this is probably one of the most famous ones. So I'm very excited today to talk about The Lost Boys. This is a movie I personally, I've watched a lot. I love. Um, it's in your top. It's in your top. Yeah, I would if say. If I remember correctly. Sure. Yeah. I mean, mm, I don't know if it's like in my top, but it's definitely one I enjoy watching a lot. It's probably not like. Uh, okay. You so know. now it changes. The story oh. changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think doing this episode, I realized mm, maybe it's not my favorite. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> well, you know what? Um, when we posted about this that we were doing this movie, the excitement on Instagram was through oh, the roof. Blew We've never up. seen anything like it. Oh my god, it blew Pe- up. People cared again. They're like, so oh there was god, a lot what? of pressure on us. We even postponed our recording for a day. <laughs> yeah, like, like we're nervous. I was like, I, I need my another stomach. Day 
had butterflies in it before we started. Yeah. I was like, what time is it? And they're like, oh, it's time to record. I'm like, right. oh my God, I'm nervous. Okay. Like, I was going out on stage. You had butterflies in your stomach and your vagina, <laughs> like Cardi B said. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got butterflies. <laughs> In my vagina. <laughs> and they're all, oh my God. <laughs> Red carpet. Oh, great. Oh, wow. <laughs> they like look like, am I going to get fired? That's what I love. Yeah. That. Oh my God. That's she that. said it. I did not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So, obviously, The Lost Boys is a play on that, you know, Peter Pan thing of The Lost Boys. Lost Boys were like a group of um, literal lost boys. A group of boys who were lost. And they, um, but they didn't want to grow up. Yeah, they didn't want to grow up. And I think, obviously, these boys in this movie are vampires, and they are incapable of growing up as well. So, yes, we see I the don't connection. Grow up. Yeah, so um, we got that connection out of the way right away. If you don't know that by now, then um, yeah, yeah, there's no hope. <laughs> and before we get into it, because we'll probably never find an opportunity to mention this again, this movie was intended to be a G-rated childlike adventure about basically a spinoff of the lost boys but as vampires right and so it, yeah i mean it's yeah. very like because of the success of the goonies that had just come out um that was a huge hit which was like a you know a fan- monster squad too yeah monster squad goonies are like these like there was like a surge in the 80s of these like young coming Good of ones. age movies about boys and you know a group of friends and um, that was really hot at the time. So this is this is what was pitched to Joel Schumacher early on, who was uh, like not really sold on that idea. But yeah, um, I think that he saw potential in it. His gay ass saw some potential in it. That uh, oh, that uh, and everything he does, he paints it with his freshness. Yes, with with a, with a little bit of a queer wink to the audience. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, he definitely took this one and ran with it. So um, I'm excited to get into this. So let's do uh, the synopsis right now. And we'll get into talking about The Lost Boys. Yes. The Lost Boys, released in 1986. Story by Janice Fisher and James Jeremias. Screenplay by Jeffrey Bohm. Our film begins with an overhead shot of the ocean as it closes in on the fictional beach town of Santa Carla. On the beach boardwalk, a gang of glam punks indulge in teenage debauchery on the carousel but are dispersed by a local police officer. As the officer returns to his vehicle at the end of the night, he is chased to his car by an unknown flying assailant who pulls his body into the night sky. Sometime after, the Emersons arrive by car to Santa Carla. The family consists of hunky older brother Michael, played by Jason Patrick. Geek, uh, so just uh, we'll get into that. <clears throat> Geeky younger brother Sam, played by Corey Haim, and divorced mother Lucy, played by Diane Weist, who is looking to start over and get back on her feet with the help of her father, only referred to as Grandpa, played by Barnard Hughes. We then have a montage of Santa Carla where we see that it's a bustling little town whose beach boardwalk seems to be its main draw for tourists and locals alike. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I got distracted when he's the actor who plays Grandpa. Why? I'm all because I'm listening to you talking and I'm like, Barnyard. <laughs> Barnyard. I thought animal. his name was Bernard, but now I see that it's Barnard. Barnard. 
Barnyard. I'm all... <laughs> I look down at the paper. I'm like, what? <laughs> Barnyard. I'm like, this bitch got to go back. <laughs> Race. <laughs> Barnyard Hughes. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we already kind of touched on this obviously but so jason patrick uh <sighs> what a hunk right the jawline the eyes oh, the body uh, the everything oh he is like like the zach efron of the time i mean no uh, rob yeah. let's be honest rob Lowe was like the zach efron of the time but like jason patrick yeah. like is sort of like this underdog that I mean, I never heard a lot about other than this. You know, I've known him more. Other than Lost Boys. Yeah. yeah. As, as far as like his like young, hot teenage years. Like he, he, I don't recall him being in like the Rat Pack or any of these like really famous. No, he wasn't groups. a regular like the others. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's I, smoking I feel like, hot. He's effortlessly cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that I, I've known him more as like an older actor. Where he's like, you know, he's still handsome too. He's handsome. I mean, he's not like you know the smoking hot babe. He a, that yeah, he, was he has an age then. as well as like say like a like Brad Pitt or somebody like that. Or but Kiefer I, Sutherland, <laughs> Mama. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very hot. We just you know again got to get that out of the way. Um, you know the elephant in the room. <clears throat> yeah, but this is also when we're introduced to the Lost Boys, who. Also, they're not smoking hot, but their style gives them this sex appeal, right? Yeah, and that they're totally. like the bad boys. Like yeah. that's obviously a major sex appeal, right? And we but only, the, when we only, only have like we only have like a little glimpse of them too, just like a and yeah, to tease like like ooh, like who are these boys? They're a little mysterious. They're 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 very fashionable. Very. I mean, for the you know for the time, they they. But and um yeah, the, but to me, Billy tease. Worth as Dwayne is the only cute one. Oh yeah, absolutely, he's the hottest one for uh-huh. sure. I'm like, take me, Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into more about them, what do you think of like the setting of Santa Cruz? I love it. I think it, it did. Well, we all see if you've never seen the Lost Boys, if you've never gone back in time and watched the Lost Boys, <laughs> um, it plays. It, it's such a good backdrop for horror movies. Like it did, it did wonders in Jordan Peele's Us. Right. I think it does. I, this is where I want to live. Like when they're introducing and they're showing the montage of everything, I'm like, I want to live here. Yeah, and I also think it's just it's like a really original setting for a film, especially like a vampire film. I feel like those always take place in like in like big cities or or like they're more or more suburban or, or more like suburban towns you know or, or like, castles <laughs> right exactly i think like a beach vampire movie is super original like yeah super cute what, too. What's, yeah what's the other beach vampire movie you can name off the top of your head exactly right and it's sort of that thing that I mean, at least growing up here in Northern California, where you've all o- you always saw the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and heard that radio commercial uh, all yeah. the time. And the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in the warm California sun Boardwalk. boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that is even in person. Like the one time I've been to Santa Cruz, even though it's like a hop, skip, and a jump away. I'm like, this looks so fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know totally. what I mean? So it kind of plays into that Peter Pan where the Lost Boys had their own fantastical lair. It's kind of like this plays into that, you know, right. vision of never growing old. Totally. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, they literally live in a town whose centerpiece is like a theme park. This, yeah. the, you know, where, where people go to sort of 
um, recapture their youth and their, you know, that fun childhood Everyone feeling. feels like a kid there. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a really smart place to set this film because, it, you know, you, we have these teenagers that don't grow up and they're sort of living in this world where everybody feels like a child again. Yes. Yeah. So, and and it's like the murder capital of the world of the world, right? Right. Um, exactly. Santa Carla's. So, but you know, it's so relaxed, and you know, well, I mean, I guess we'll get into it more when we get right, to the next part. Right. Right. Um. So then, and another thing that I think is really interesting just about this opening is that we get, um, sort of a comment on 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 films in the 80s as far as like we they've sort of broken up that nuclear family dynamic now it wasn't yes. it wasn't really like seen very much like pre this of like have like a single mother with two kids no no father figure and to have sort of that like fatherlessness be a, like a part of the plot you know like a divorce yeah I like mean, a divorce usually there's one parent and... because the other one's died or something right exactly and so I think that was a, that's a really good um, it was like kind of progressive in a way Mm-hmm. That she was taking them on and they were right. doing their own thing. Exactly. And, you know, and she had to rely on her father. She's like, you know, she wasn't like, a, I don't, I don't really know how old Diane Weiss was during this, but she wasn't like necessarily like a young mother who was, no. ha- who was having to seek help from her father. 40s for sure. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So she, you know, to have to go back to and move in with her father. I don't know. I think it's a really interesting yeah. dynamic that um, I don't think was probably seen very much in the 80s at the time now and grandpa's very telling of how she grew up and how like the town of santa carla is where you have these like old ex-potheads that probably just crossed the water from san francisco Mm -hmm. and settled in santa carla you know yeah so it's like all these like deadheads and then like right a bunch of like young hot kids it's like oh okay yeah yeah it's like such an yeah it's such an eclectic mix and i think it you know, it has a lot of tourist, you know, um, attraction. Like, there's a lot of people are very transient, so I can see why it's probably harder in a way to um, maybe like solve these missing, missing people yeah. kind of things that are happening. Find the murderer, town. right? Exactly, because people are constantly coming and going. It's like it's hard to base it. You know, they're suspects local. I can see why it would make it like a little more hard to, uh, to find out where all these missing people are coming or are, are from, you know? Yeah. And then I think one of the, uh, one of the other good things I really like about this opening, just like this, like panning across the water is, is that we get like the first taste of our soundtrack because yes. the soundtrack in this movie is obviously very prominent and important. Yeah. You know, so we get two songs, two almost full songs right off the bat before the plot even gets going. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that they really were banking on the soundtrack being a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why even Kiefer Sutherland signed up to do the movie was because he was convinced by the artists that were on the soundtrack. Yeah, he was like, yeah, great. And then and then also had input as far as like, you know, creating the soundtrack with the other boys. And I think that's that, that was something that they said was like a really big draw for them as being like 19 year old actors who were you know asked to be a part of a project that they were allowed to collaborate on like that's not something a young actor is usually given the opportunity to do 
yeah, rewrites, costumes, soundtracks. It's yeah. like, damn, that's like, pretty cool because it's for kids, so or you know, younger, a younger crowd. So why not have their input right. to make so, it something they want to watch? Yeah, that sounds fun as hell. So I'm sure that was a great opportunity to jump on, you know, especially because it probably was like when you're pitched the idea, you know, especially when you're you're um, you're trying to take acting seriously, which I guess is where Jason Patrick's head was at the time. Was yeah. like you, you know, he, and it took him a while to. Um, sign on to this project because he didn't really want to do a you know a teenage vampire movie when he was just starting out which you know which is kind of strange considering that's where most people start out doing like you know horror movies yeah like things like that um so and he even sort of admits like i had no place to be as picky as i was at the time but it took like six weeks of joel schumacher begging jason patrick in order to get him to um sign on to this film because he was like there was no other choice you look at him not only was he talented but he was fucking gorgeous gorgeous who you know there was no other choice and so do you think joel schumacher said i'll suck your dick Ah! all of it (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) i would wouldn't you i shit i would just get down and just see what happens <laughs> All right, so um, maybe let's move on. Grandpa is a kooky old man whose house is adorned with taxidermy and no TV. No, you know what, you know what no TV means? No what? MTV. Oh my god, <laughs> gag me with a spoon. <laughs> the boys attempt to adjust to their new digs and all of Grandpa's rules, and even ask Grandpa if it's true that Santa Carla is the murder capital of the world. He doesn't deny it. Later that night, the boys attend a beach concert where an oily bodybuilder <laughs> sings and plays the saxophone. Duh. <laughs> you haven't been to one a of those? Be- <laughs> oh, uh, I've been to plenty of those. <laughs> for every pride. <laughs> a beautiful young woman flounces through the crowd and immediately catches Michael's eye. She notices him too. Lucy strolls the boardwalk on her own, passing a wall of missing person ads and then notices a help wanted sign. Lucy meets the manager of the local video store, Max, played by Edward Herman, who shoes away the glam punk gang from the beginning of the film. Lucy then coyly asks for a job. Moving through the crowd, the brothers split up with Sam heading into a comic book shop and Michael continuing to pursue the mysterious girl. In the comic book store, Sam meets the Frog Brothers, Edgar, played by Corey Feldman, and Alan, played by Jameson Newlander. The two of them attempt to warn Sam of the dangers of the town by giving him a vampire comic to read. But Sam claims not to be a fan of horror comics. Michael finds a girl hopping on the back of the gang leader's motorcycle. Meanwhile, a couple overlooking the boardwalk, having a hot makeout sesh, are attacked by the evil in the sky. The roof of their car is torn off and they are pulled into the sky. Woo! All right. Yes. So now we get a little bit of like character establishment um yes you know just you know enough like these are obviously young brothers they sort of have a little bit of rivalry but honestly they are they're friendly with each other they're not like siblings that hate each other they just have like a normal amount of siblingness you know rivalry yeah or, or you know whatever that is yeah like the little pick on type of thing i know i even wrote that in my notes that Corey Haim and Jason Patrick, they had a really good chemistry as brothers. They did. They they really, they, the nitpicky stuff, like they totally like fed off of each other and built that sort of relationship. If I were Corey Haim, I don't know how I would um, 
be able to keep my composure <laughs> around him. Oh my god, I know. I'd be like, oh, just naturally bending over like every time. <laughs> I would just, yeah, I would just be like, oh my god, I have to be your brother, not. Oh, god I damn know. it. Can I sit here? Yeah. On my dick? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, real quick, I just want to address the um, the shirtless, oily saxophonist, which is I mean, such a choice, but I love it. I think it's so good. It's so like this, indicative of like 80s for some reason to me. It is. It's super 80s. It's like this beefy, oily saxophone, man. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, I love it's, it. the, the concert, there's just so much going on. You're right. And obviously, this plays into what everybody sees as gay under tones in this film of course um but, but, I, but i think that this is just a joel schumacher choice i think he was like i want like, fabio on stage <laughs> playing the saxophone like, we can't get him okay get this guy <laughs> oh gosh well actually this guy's name is tim capello and tim capello is an actual singer slash saxophonist oh. and um, who knew who knew right but he <laughs> he's actually uh like in like th- that sort of nine 80s 90s era of tina turner he was her saxophonist and oh. one of my very favorite Tina Turner songs is her song from 1993 from the um, Oh, What's Love Got to Do With It album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love. There's a song in it called I Don't Want to Fight Anymore or I Don't Want to Fight No More. I Don't Want to Fight is what it's called. I Don't Want to Fuck Anymore. <laughs> it's called I, I Don't Want to Fuck and there's this amazing saxophone solo in it. And so when I read this, I was like, oh, he was Tina Turner's saxophonist. And then I looked up the credits for that song and it is him playing that bomb ass saxophone solo in the song. I don't want to fight by Tina Turner, which I love so much. And so that was kind of fun to find out. And um, I think this is hot. I think that because playing an instrument takes brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does, and so it's like you're already smoking hot body. Yeah, and you play the saxophone. And do you know what? He's still. This is still his shtick. If you look him up, like now, he's like an old man version of a of a buff man with long hair playing a saxophone. <laughs> Probably shirtless. Ew. Is so. he still hot? I mean, like hotish. His face is not. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's aged forty years. So I mean. God. You know. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably uh, like him better now. Yeah, probably. So this is when we're introduced to like the Corys. <laughs> yeah, this the is Corys. their first movie together, right? Right, which like which like started this long stream of films for the Corys. Um which they uh, and they were referred to in by the public as the two Corys. That was like their their celebrity couple name like their Brangelina you know right yeah no one even knew their last names (laughs) yeah they don't need them Um, well god bless them Uh, R.I.P. Corey Haim I know but um, did you know that Corey Feldman was fired the first day of shooting yeah because he was on fucking drugs and like couldn't get his shit together the 80s was a different time yeah seriously (laughs) like could you imagine now like I mean, I'm sure that probably does still happen, but I think that maybe maybe they're more hush hush about it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, oh god, they, they were, the '80s was the time to like just look at Drew, you know. Oh god, little girl lost. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, we'll get into it more later. But Corey Feldman's performance in this is awful. Oh, you don't like it? I hate it. I mean, he was. It's hard because I don't think he was prepared to be this kind of character I know that he was direct- oh, he was prepared to put coke up his nose oh my god he would have been prepared to play an adult <laughs> <laughs> well I think that Joel Schumacher 
past him, but and after the fact told him, I want you to play like this like Rambo, Sylvester Stallone type character, rent all these films. And you the know, eighties hero. Yeah, exactly. These like butch characters. And I don't think that Corey Feldman is inherently like butch by any means, you know. He's not like a no, hard he's pretty character. flamboyant. Yeah. And I think that he he does his best and these characters are actually written sort of strange because they're <laughs> they are written specifically to be humorless. Like nothing that happens in this film to them is yeah. funny. They're it's so like all serious. It's so serious, but that's sort of the, where the comedy they're comes like, in because you're a little delusional, right? But you're like watching <laughs> these characters that take this so seriously, and you know, it's so it's funny because you, you yourself usually can't relate. You're like, I don't, I don't believe in vampires and all this shit. So these two kids that take it so seriously is like funny. Like that's where the comedy is supposed to lie. But I mean, I, I can come to find out you should be taking it seriously, right? Of but... course, of course, absolutely. But like at, in this moment, you're like, oh my god, these kids are so intense about about vampires like how hilarious and I think it's when the action picks up that we'll get into it is when his performance falls off for me where I'm like god this is like cringy like could they have yelled cut and just gave him some different notes oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I mean I don't know as far as I know he was doing exactly what Joel wanted him to do so great I don't know so Uh, it's Joel Schumacher's fault I mean he's the director I mean I mean not not it means that you know, and it excuses a bad performance if the director doesn't do well. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's what he wanted. Yeah. I mean, maybe well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's can't ask him now. Their own. Yeah, he's dead. Um. So, <laughs> so this is sort of when we get a first glimpse of Star. What do you think of Star? Yes. You're going to be my lucky star. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Star. I think that, that as that for, that sort of flouncy Esmeralda yes, energy. I, I literally wrote, she reminds me of Esmeralda. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's Esmeralda from The Hunchback. And she has that, she's just pretty. Like she is, she looks mysterious. She has dark hair. Yeah. And sort of deep set eyes. Right. Which is not at all what she was written as. Her character was written to be like a like a wafy blonde girl. They were looking for girls with like pixie haircuts, like pixie blonde. Like you. Yeah, literally, like me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was in the running for this. <laughs> I knew it. Um, but they just couldn't get it right. Like none of the girls that were coming in were right, and I guess it was Jason Patrick who actually had done mm-hmm. a play with her before this, and he recommended her, and they. They brought her in, and Joel Schumacher says that it was the best decision they ever made to not go with their original concept for Star because she, she like just embodied that sort of mysterious, um, otherworldly, sort, sort of, of like bohemian, yeah, bohemian. Like, like I, I know we're not supposed to say the word gypsy, but like she sort of has that, <laughs> that essence, you know, that gypsy quality. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah. yeah, totally. And um, and we get like our first little like love at first sight moment between them, which is like once we get into more of my understanding of the queer undertones, I'm like, I roll my eyes at this. But I mean, okay. Um, and see, I don't. We'll probably have differing opinions on that. So sure. All right. If you want to hear us get into a fight, keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, why don't we continue? Yeah. 
So the next day, Sam goes back to the comic book shop where the Frog Brothers confess that they are vampire hunters and gives Sam a number to call in case he ever needs their services. Michael, having returned to the boardwalk at night, is approached by the mysterious girl, played by Jamie Gertz, and learns her name is Star. Just as they are about to grab a bite to eat, they are approached by the glam punk gang, and the leader, David, played by Kiefer Sutherland, orders Star on the back of his motorcycle. David challenges Michael to keep up with the motorcycle gang as they ride to Hudson's Bluff. Strangely, there's also a young boy on the back of one of the other boys' bikes. As they race across the beach, Michael barely keeps up as the fog thickens. However, he gets neck and neck with David, determined to win, but wipes out right before they almost drive off the side of a cliff. David and the gang bring Michael to their underground lair, where they begin to haze Michael for their enjoyment, tricking him into thinking his rice is maggots and his noodles are worms. Meanwhile, Lucy tucks Sam to bed as he reads the vampire comic. Back in the lair, David entices Michael to be one of the gang and to drink from a decorative bottle. Star warns him it's blood, but Michael, not willing to be tricked again, drinks anyway. A montage begins of Michael indulging in drinking more from the bottle and David chanting Michael's name. The gang takes Michael to his next initiation, to hang from a railroad track bridge as a train passes overhead. The boys begin to fall one by one, but Michael, scared for his life, keeps holding on. David claims he's one of them now and lets go of the bridge. As Michael hears the boys at the bottom calling his name, he lets go and falls to the bottom. So now we we have our first interactions with the Lost Boys, with the gang. Yeah. The gang's all here. You know, Kiefer Sutherland, he's not my type of attractive, but I will say his intensity in this and I think he even has, like, out of the main cast, has the least amount of lines, mm-hmm. is what I've read. Yeah. But his presence is just very magnetic. Yeah. I really like his uh, Yeah, it's intense. Performance. Yeah. And I honestly, I think the more I've watched it, I'm like, oh, okay, now I get, like, why people think he's hot in this. <laughs> yeah, because he's not really my type either. I get it, yeah. And I think, I don't know if maybe it's just the mullet or whatever that's always sort of turned <laughs> me off. But I mean, there's. But now Miley Cyrus has one, so it's like yeah. Getting so really now I'm hot. like, oh my god, this is so in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. I see what you're saying, but yeah, there's something about his intensity and his presence that he really nails in this part, and I think that his his sort of magnetism with uh, Jason Patrick slash Michael is uh, it's really palpable. I would say, like you could feel the tension between them. So can I go on go off on my little queer theory here? Go ahead. All right. So here's the first part of my queer theory. Okay. So although it seems like Star is like the thing that's going to come between them at this point, like you don't really know, like you're like, oh, obviously they're, these boys are going to be fighting over Star or something, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, that that never really happens, right? There, there's That's not really no. a part, part of the conflict. But there, There's never a conflict with her. No, I, I, absolutely not. So, at... Uh, he doesn't David actually doesn't even really show much interest in Star at all. And so, since we don't ever really get an idea of like why David wants Michael to join the gang, I think it could be that it reads that it's because David thinks Michael is hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so in yeah. like that moment where he comes across like possessive of star it's not because he like wants her it's because he kind of wants to keep her away from michael i would say 
Like he knows the charms that she can give out and is like, yeah. stay away from my man. Yes, get the fuck on my <laughs> bike, bitch. Don't be, yeah, he's mine. <laughs> so that's like, yeah. so that's okay. like the first, like, I'll get into more as we go on. But like, that's okay. my first like queer reading as far as like, you know, the the boys. Okay. So how I took it as, because I know that people find queer theories within this film. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good one. That is a really good one. Because I, I, I did see it differently because I was looking, I watched it with the intention of looking for those, those queer like sort of moments, but I didn't get one from this. I do see like the magnetism, but I kind of just read that as that sort of magnetism that, or that hypnosis quality that Dracula has over people sure. like, where he can seduce almost anybody. Right. And so, and like entrance people. So that's kind of how I took the vamp because I know they're vampires. And then the way he treats star David, it's almost like, I got like a brother, like a brotherly right. thing. Totally. Yeah. So then it's I was like, like not sexual, you know? And so when, so I'm thinking that when they have those moments, all I'm saying is David is has the intention of turning Michael into one of them. Right. But here's my thing though. And this is sort of my overall biggest critique of this film is that okay. there's not enough character development and there's not enough motive yes. as to why these boys want Michael so badly or why David exactly. specifically, like what is, what is his end game? He wants Michael to join the, he's, you know, he's constantly telling him like, be one of us, but it's like, okay, why? Like, what does that yeah. mean? What are, you, what are the qualifications? What are, or like, what or like, what is going to happen when he does? Is it is the purpose just to have more buddies around to hang out with? Is it because David's looking for his one companion in Michael? I feel like, and yeah, you don't get that because there is no character development, at least for the vampires. The vampires. So yeah. you don't know what their intention is. And so... I take it as like Max turned these people into vampires, right? Yeah, well, spo- spoiler okay, alert! If you didn't know, by, if you don't know by now, <laughs> Max is the fucking head vampire. <laughs> this movie's made Oops. in the '80s. If you don't know that by now, so David, I feel like his role is to recruit. Okay, but but th- but then the queer theory does come into place when you're like, well, what are the qualifications? Yeah, because Joel Schumacher cast. Kiefer Sutherland, Billy Worth, Jason Patrick, and the other two because he thought they were hot. That's like right. what is known. So it's like I right, exactly, exactly. And so I have. To, so if Max, yeah, if the qualification to be one of the Lost Boys is that you have to be like a young, a youthful, beautiful boy, then yeah. in, he is David's purpose to find beautiful men and recruit them into their gang. Like what? If, what is? Yeah, we don't get. We just don't get enough. The purpose, purpose, motive behind anything. Like the reason why they are pursuing Michael so hard. Yeah. You so know. us as fans or viewers have to kind of formulate. And if we're gay, we're obviously gonna be like, well, because they're gay, <laughs> <laughs> and they know a hot guy when they see him. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I guess this also that like lack of that lack of character development. Like I think like. I just wish there were more moments of like where we got got how these boys feel about their circumstances. Do they? Who were they before? Who were they? You know, how do they feel about yeah. being vampires? Now? I mean, obviously they enjoy it, but it's like we don't even hear from any of the other boys. No, they have no we character. don't find out about anything except that Laddie was right. You know, kidnapped. But th- that's it. That's like yeah, but that's the- all. We don't know anything about David or the other 
three yeah. main vampires. Right, and La- even Laddie. Laddie is sort of this random character that really doesn't get much, I don't know, to do, to say. I don't it's know. It's almost like he makes them, like, bad guys because they kidnapped this child from his parents. Right. But it's like, well, we don't know where he comes from. Yeah. He might have been rescued. I think that Joel <laughs> said something about, about how she... That Laddie was with Star, like Star, they were together when they were brought into the gang. So like she was mm-hmm. like she's like this like effervescent beach girl who lives with this little boy, and that the both oh. of them were. I think that's what I I read. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's the truth, but I mean, if it were, it should have been written into the movie, right? Exactly, and yeah. So like I said, that's my biggest critique of this film is like. I, there's just not enough character development or, you know, we're not told enough about why these characters are doing the things that they're doing or what will happen if they succeed in their plan, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and like another, like, little piece of, like, queer theory I have here is just, like, in this, like, this, I feel like there's a bit of, like, show-offness between, da- like, when David's, like, hanging and dangling and, like, you know, Michael's obviously scared, but I feel like he's like kind of showing off for for yeah, Michael it's like in that a, moment. It's that standoff that guys have where it's like his dick is bigger. Yeah. Or also like you know, like when you're like, like trying to impress a boy like that you like. Himself. Yeah. Like I can hang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's almost like yeah. It's like is it one of those like you know, you always torment the boys you like, like this whole like hazing process. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like you like pick on the kids that you're like throw sand, yeah, yeah. or like pull their hair <laughs> or whatever. But it's like, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's because they like you. Like, is it that? Yeah. Is, is that why he's like fucking around with Dave, with Michael so much? Like, making him see these maggots and like trying to embarrass him. It's like, yeah, like picking on him. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Like that's. I don't know. I don't know. I, I also thought that part was confusing because I'm like, how many powers do vampires have? <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. Well, I'll get into. I think I have written down uh, my vampire movie rules coming up after this next synopsis. So why don't you take oh, it away? Okay. Okay. Perfect. The next day, Michael is woken up by Sam. Michael is asked by Lucy to babysit his younger brother as she has been asked out on a dinner date by her new boss, Max, which is totally inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Max from the video store. <laughs> so that night, the boys are terrorized by the motorcycle gang who begin circling the house, but are nowhere to be found when Michael throws open the door. Michael then begins to start experiencing a painful change. When he makes his way upstairs, he is attacked by the family dog, Nanook. Nanook? Nanook! <laughs> <laughs> Nanook seems to be protecting Sam, who is taking a bath. When they notice that Michael's reflection is fading away, Sam accuses him of being a vampire and threatens to call their mother. Sam actually calls the Frog Brothers, who advise him to stake Michael, but Sam refuses, so they decide they'll do it themselves. Michael begins floating through the air in his room and almost sucked out of the window. As Michael floats outside Sam's window, Lucy on the phone hears the commotion and leaves her date to rush home. Michael pleads to his brother for help. Sam lets him inside and covers for Michael by telling Lucy that he was just freaked out by reading a scary comic, which obviously makes her upset. After returning from the date, Max seems to be harassed by the unseen biker gang outside of his home. Michael returns to the lair on Hudson's Bluff to find Star and demands to know what is happening to him. Claiming she doesn't know how to help him, they have sex instead. (laughs) 
Of course. While the camera flies through the crowd. <laughs> While the camera flies through the clouds. When Michael awakes, he notices his wound from Nanook has healed. Back home, Lucy expresses her concern about Michael's behavior, but he refuses to talk to her about it. When Lucy arrives at Max's house to make up for running out on their date, she is attacked by Max's dog, Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Thorn. Yeah. Cujo. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Thorn's attack mirrors the images of the Hounds of Hell in Sam's vampire comic. Sam goes to the Frog Brothers to report what happened. After they continue to advise him to kill his brother, Sam says he believes Michael is a half-vampire and that he believes Max is the head vampire as the trouble started as soon as he started coming around. Killing him should set Michael free. All right, so I started compiling a list because every vampire movie always has different rules. I mean, every monster movie, you know. But, like, the reoccurring mm. ones, they all have, like, similar things, but they're not always the same. So, you, whenever you're watching a vampire movie, you have to sort of, like, okay, what does this particular film believe in? Like, what is, what is their what's set the of... What's the mythology? Yeah, what's the mythology behind these specific kind of vampires? Do they... Can they walk in the sunlight? Do they sparkle? Do they, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, um, I started compiling a list for this one, so... Vampire movie rules for the Lost Boys. So uh, we have no reflection. You know, pretty standard. Yes. That's a good standard. one. Um, these vampires fly, which is interesting. I mean, I guess that's yeah, that's pretty standard. I guess especially because they fly as people, not as they don't turn into bats. Yeah, anything. which they but they do, but they don't because later on when they're in the cave and they're hanging upside down, they have like bat feet. That are, whole, that are they're hanging upside oh, down yeah. by. They're kind of clinging on. Yeah. yeah, but we never see them actually flying. So I'm. it's not 100% certain whether they yeah. do turn into bats or if they're half bat people or if they're humans flying through the sky. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the next one is dogs hate them. <laughs> D- dogs are supposed to, you know, sense evil. Right, exactly. So um, that makes sense why, like, Nanook, like, attacks Michael. He's sensing that something's going on with him. He attacks, whatever, whatever. The confusing one to me is why Thorn attacks Lucy, I guess. Maybe it's, I'm like, is it because... Well, because the hounds of hell protect their master. Right, so, I mean, I guess... So he has a different purpose than Nanook. Right, so I guess it... It's because she's visiting him during the daytime, and because he's a vampire, he only he should be asleep. he's asleep. So that he so Thorn is his guardian. I guess that does make sense. I just sort of um, explained it to myself, but <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'm glad you worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there one. are plot holes. There are plot holes in this mythology, right? Well, it's like oh, it's like okay, it's, I okay, I get, it. yeah, I see what you're like saying. Like it doesn't carry all the way through for everybody. Sure, of course. Um, they sleep all day. They're pretty standard. Um, even even if they get, do get woken up in the middle of the day, they're fucking drunk as hell, or they're like sleepy as hell, like hungover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <they're, laughs> yeah. I love that. And then this idea of um, the half vampire—that's kind of an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it happens because they are not. I guess for this particular vampire movie, like they kind of got rid of that um, the mythology of you have to be bit to become a vampire. 
in this one, it seems yeah. like if you drink, which usually it's like you get bit and then you have to drink the vampire's blood. This one skips the biting of the of the human and goes straight for like, if you drink my blood, you'll become a half vampire. Where it's like, yeah, it's like you're like given all the all the powers of a vampire, but none of the consequences because <laughs> you can still and go see, on the daylight. I must, have, I must be like checking out whenever the boys are shown on screen because I'm not a fan of this like ch- whimsical childlike adventure within this deeper story. Like I don't know. Uh, so like the Frog Brothers and Sam kind of annoy me. Mm. Like it's like they're like thrown into this maturity. Of the of the, of the storyline sure. and it doesn't match, and I'm not the only one who thought this because I read an early review of this film like when it first came out, and back then one of the reviews said like I'm not a fan of the blend of child adventure and like mature sexy story. Hmm. Like it's like it doesn't mesh. Yeah, you know? but I don't know because I, I, I the mature sexy story is still taking place amongst teenagers. You know, if they were like adults, if this yeah. was if this of all this was happening between you know, their mom or something, their mom and a bunch of adult vampires. I can understand why that would be a little different, but it's still like, it still takes for me. I don't know. You know, it still takes place within like a teenage world. So that doesn't really bother me. Of course. It could be like a parallel to like puberty, like growing up. Right. Exactly. And you know, they're right. And I think that it, there are different, you know, facets of being a teenager. You can either be the comic book nerd or you can be the hot, sexy, you know, m- motorcycle boy. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, and maybe it wouldn't bother me as much if they were more, I don't know, realistic and they weren't so, like, cartoonish in sure. their approach to the characters. Because even when Sam discovers that Michael is a vampire by knowing his reflection, which is a plot hole, the reflection thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that it's like uh, his reaction is like somebody coming out as gay. Like he caught his brother watching gay porn. Right. Like, I'm going to tell mom. But, you know, it's like, but he's a vampire. Like this is a, uh, it's a little more right. yeah. frightening. So you think that you, you think that his, his reaction is to, too kid like or like it's too I'm like was he trying to play it off until he got upstairs to safety or was he you know what I mean like you're a vampire I'm telling mom like let me get out of here before you bite me or something you know know. or was or is that just how it's written like to be like a comedic moment right you think that he should have been more scared than he was like yeah upset if I looked in the mirror and saw that my brother looked like a ghost I would be like what the hell is that? You know what I mean? Even as a kid, right. I'd be even more scared. I'd probably cry. Right. And I think that it was because he was like just reading the vampire comics. He, he, he's been like obviously seeing the parallels between the, what's happening in the vampire comics and what's happening now in, in real life. And now he's had the Frog Brothers sort of um, warn him about what's happening and he hasn't really believed it. But I know, but I do feel like he does sort of believe it a little too quickly. Yeah. Oh, so in your vampire rules, is there anything about how much power they have? Like now that they're vampires, it's like they can make, they can bust open windows. They can, <laughs> yeah. you see things that aren't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's yeah, like illusion or like, what is it? Uh, glamours or whatever where you can. Yeah. Glamour spells. Yeah. Glamour <laughs> spells where you can turn. Yeah. It's which, I mean, I guess that's very like Anne Rice. I don't, I'm not sure. I feel like Anne Rice books the movies obviously had not come out yet or like interview the vampire and come out yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's always been like something about vampires having mind control powers, you know, a very Dracula, like 
you know, hypnotizing, yeah. you know, hypnotizing people and making them walk mm-hmm. towards them and stuff like that. So I guess, I guess that the w- part where they show works. up and they're like circling the house and the windows are busting open, that reminded me of like the craft. And I think that's kind of what I think of as like right. this like witchy power, like telekinetic power. Yeah, and, like there is like vampires have that. Right. Yeah. There's definitely like more mystical elements to these particular vampires. Yeah. Like we have magic powers. <laughs> Yeah. Does your queer theory go on in this? Like when Michael's transformed and he's like, I know who I am now. Um, yeah. So, so I do have queer theory number two. I didn't think of this one, so I can't take credit for it, but I do sort of agree with it. That um, okay. at this point, once Michael realizes sort of what's inside of him, like this otherness about himself, that he's becoming something that he... Like, whatever's inside of him is now coming out while he's becoming a vampire for, like, equating... Things are changing. Yeah, if we're, like, equating being a vampire to being, like, other or, like, queer. Um, his initial reaction has, like, a boy who's sort of fighting against that is to run and have sex with a girl. <laughs> to, like... Okay. You know, to, yeah. like... Oh, like yeah, this this is gonna save me. Like this, you know, if I indulge in this, like I'm gonna fight against this. Yeah. And yeah, okay. Yeah, and so I thought that was a really interesting choice because that's I feel like that's probably something a lot of queer, you know, people coming up into themselves do. That they're like, well, yeah. like if I, you know, if I just have sex with a girl, that's sort of gonna cure me of this. And so yeah. I can see Okay, yeah. I can see that. You know what I'm I saying? can totally see that. Right. Yeah, because I'm like, what what purpose does it serve that they're having sex? And I almost thought of like, well, maybe this goes against the queer theory. Like it didn't matter that he transformed to a vampire, he still wants star and they still have sex. Right. I thought they should have had more sex. <laughs> I wanted to see some booty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it, yeah, so I sort of I liked the idea that like it was him fighting against who he's becoming or he you know yeah and this obviously isn't the first time that homosexuality has been played as the evil within right exactly (laughs) no that is a common trope especially in in horror yeah nightmare on elm street 2 yeah totally totally. (laughs) the lost boys that were coming to find out yeah you have me convinced i actually i hadn't read that one so that's a good one yeah that is a good one um all right, so let's keep going. Max is invited over to the house for dinner with Lucy and the kids, and he apologizes for what happened with his dog. Sam invites the Frog Brothers to eat dinner with them, and they try a series of tests in order to out Max as the head vampire. When all the tests fail, Lucy is appalled by the way Sam and his friends have treated Max. At the boardwalk, Michael confronts David about Star, who is now missing. David and the boys take Michael to a hidden bonfire where a group of quote-unquote surf Nazis are drinking and having a good time. As Michael watches on, the boys attack, leaving behind a bloody massacre as they feed on the surfers on the beach. David tells Michael that he will never grow old, never die, but he must feed. Michael goes to Sam for help, but is interrupted by Star, who is able to seemingly teleport into the room, confirming that she is also a vampire. She claims that she, like Michael, is also a half-vampire, as well as the child Laddie, and that he was meant to be her first kill. But she could not go through with it because she cares for him. She tells him that it's not too late for him, and that all she wants is for him to help her and Laddie before she disappears into the night. Uh, She's using him. Yeah, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Exactly. She don't want anything else. So now I think we're adding a little more to the vampire rules. So... Yes. So 
next one is uh, their weaknesses become powerless when you invite them inside. And I feel like this is a variation on on a normal vampire mythology trope, which is vampires can't come inside unless you invite them. But yeah, that doesn't seem to be the case in this film. It seems like they can just bu- burst through your wall and get you. But there's yeah, <laughs> but there's something weird in this one where if you invite them inside, all of a sudden, all all the all, rules don't the rules apply. don't apply to them anymore. That one's very strange to me. It is strange, and I think this is where it presents a pothole because the only reason Sam found out Michael was a vampire was by seeing his reflection in the mirror, and he was invited into the home because he lives there. So I'm like, mm-hmm. why would he not be able to see his reflection? But yeah. Max can. Right. That's No, that's yeah, weird. that's a weird one. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, I don't know why I guess it was just for this moment, just to it's like purely for misdirection in this dinner scene because the boys do yeah. everything, you know, the garlic, so you the can back off of Max. Yeah, the garlic, the holy water, all of, all of these things that they do to try to out Max as the head vampire fail. And it's not because they don't normally work. It's because they invited him inside, which means all of those things no longer work, which is, I don't know. It seems a little convenient, like like plot-wise. It's convenient, yeah. Like It's like, oh, but we already filmed the scene where Michael doesn't see his reflection. So why don't we explain that? It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> it still doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's, not my, it's not my favorite of these new rules that they've created. It's, I mean, it helps back us off of Max. Sure, exactly. Like, okay. Right, which is, sure. you know, for the reveal in the end. And then um, this one's kind of weird. It's like, okay, so vampires need to feed. I mean, they never specify that it's blood, but um, we can assume it's blood, but it's never explicitly said that they need to drink blood. Like there's not mention, there's not much mention of blood other than the fact that David's blood was in that bottle, but there's not like an insatiable hunger necessarily for blood. A thirst. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like a thirst in this, you know, that we, hunger. Yeah. That we see in other films where they're like, I need blood or I'll die. Like that doesn't seem to be a plot in this film at all, which is fine. No. Forgivable. Yeah. Forgivable. That's not, that's not a big deal. It's almost, and in this way, it's almost like playing into that queer theory where it's just like, be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, because you, because the interesting thing in this is that when you're half vampire, that you can control your instincts. Like, you can be like, no, I don't want to do this. And you can fight it off. Right. Totally. And it's like, okay, but don't you need to do that? And no, you're right. They don't right. necessarily need to need to feed but i guess that's their purpose yeah i guess that they just need to feed don't we all don't don't doesn't everybody need to feed <laughs> and it's still kind of a mystery because uh it's like if this is a queer you know metaphor then what are they really doing with those surfers Ooh, and what are they feeding on <laughs> it's a circuit party ah, i know literally <laughs> and they're just full of poppers Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just, it's hard to know, too, because you don't get a lot of the death scenes, which I don't know why you don't. This is our... They could have made this bloody. Yeah, this is our first moment where we see, like, vampires being vampires in this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, how we know that. Otherwise, it was just a POV shot. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of been alluded to for most of this movie, but now is the moment where we, like actually see them kill somebody it's like oh now this is scary oh there's like, blood yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wait this is a vampire movie okay <laughs> because the first two are very like they're pov flying through the 
clouds and getting to the victim. Right. And they have this like stage lighting that adds this layer of camp that Joel Schumacher just coats in all of his projects. Mm-hmm. Totally. This like still like you there look like it looks like a Broadway production. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get this layer of camp and this is this is the first time where you get like some blood and a little bit of a little bit of gore. Right, totally. And you're like, okay. Right. So they are something to fear. Right. And that moment where they're all standing there, like that's like the hottest they are in this entire movie. When they're like after they fed oh, yeah. and the, and he's giving this little speech about, you know, you're never you're never gonna die, whatever, whatever. They look really hot in that scene and so they do that's like, like the like iconic a, yeah screenshot of this movie yeah too. like that's it like if i were to get a t-shirt like i'd want that scene on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like it when you get more of the costumes yeah like the the little blonde one with the curly hair mm-hmm. and his crop top oh yes i'm like mama that is a bomb ass halloween costume they're sexy i know i want i I'll, yeah totally also, so that that first little confrontation before David takes Michael to the surf Nazis, there's so much tension between him and Michael. They're like, they're like, oh, yeah. face, look at the stare off. They're like face to face. Like I was like, they should kiss. Like that's like what I always think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I was like maybe they should play that like you know that little montage they showed earlier on when he does you know drink the blood. Yeah, where he's like Michael. 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 Yeah, I think, yeah, but I think that they should (laughs) definitely kiss. And I don't know, but there's something about that scene that's like very much like, yeah, this girl, she's gone. She's missing. What are you going to do now? There's something like so um, inviting about him, like how he gets close to his face. And he's sort of like, yeah. So what? She's missing. Whatever. (laughs) I don't know. It's so sexy. I know. And I think in that scene, you get... The 14th time hearing Cry Little Sister. Seriously, that mo- that song is, you know, for a, a movie with a, a very noticeable, like, soundtrack, you still get the same song about 14 times. Yeah. In it. Thou shalt Oh my god. But, um, and so then, um, then I have one more uh, vampire okay. rule, which is... Okay. Star can teleport. <laughs> she can. Yeah, they have these extra powers that yeah. like, you don't have. Or I'm like, or does she just fly really fast and they just never show it? I don't know. She just seems to poof into the room and she's like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And then I'm a poof. vampire too. Yeah. I'm <laughs> El Michael. You know the word Michael? I read this. I think this is like probably pretty common knowledge. I'm sure nothing we're saying in this podcast today is something that one of the 300,000 other podcasts have said before. But like. But it's the best way you've ever heard that's it. That's right. But I think, yeah, the, the word Michael appears in in this uh, script like 118 times <gasps> more than any other Jesus. word in the script is Michael they say that they say his name so much Michael 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 yeah um mm-hmm. yeah I would be moaning his name too oh my god I know I'm I'm a, yeah I moan it 118 oh. times a night <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> oh, and one thing I, I just noticed is that the vampire uh, prosthetics in this, in that scene, um, obviously highly inspired the vampire faces on Buffy because they're very, oh, yeah. super similar. They got, you know, the blocked out eyebrows, that sort of crinkly forehead. Forehead. Uh, yeah. And then the, 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 yeah, the like light eyes yeah. and the fangs. The fangs. And all that. Yeah, totally. 
that I thought that uh, Jason Patrick looked just as hot as a vampire when his face starts to change a little bit. I was like, wow, he still looks great. Oh yeah, no, totally. Those contact, yeah, it's sexy. Those contacts. sweaty and the fang, the fang placement, yeah, being on the right next to the front teeth. Yeah, I was like, that's more effective. Like as a as a creature ripping at flesh. I feel like those would be coming to yeah. hand. Those would come in handy more yeah. than being on the canines. Yeah, totally. And the canines are now there for support. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think? Like, do you think we ever get a reason? Like, what do you think the reason why they turned star is? I don't know. I can't seem to figure. Like, I'm like, do they just they're looking See, for a, a sister? That's the problem without that character development. They just. I'm like, what did you need? Like a feminine yeah. figure. There's no. Re- is Laddie a boy or a girl? That's a boy. Okay, okay, that's what I thought too. Be- but I was just like, what do they need? Like a mother figure, or they just need like the Wendy? Yeah, but to their- but that's like, I mean, I guess she's the Wendy, but like Lucy is technically like we find out later once we find out Max's ultimate plan was to make Lucy the mother figure to these boys. So I don't know. So I guess maybe she is like like the- why are you getting a gang of kids? And who and why her to procreate? No, but that's not even. I don't even know if they can. Can vampires <laughs> do that? I don't know. I don't know I don't if know. Chucky and Tiffany can procreate. <laughs> true, true. All bets are off, and this definitely exists in the same world. <laughs> and this obviously starts to be where I click, and I'm like, I do not like Corey Feldman's performance in this. That kind of like, I'm a tough guy. Like, yeah. But he's like, yeah, we need to do this. Yeah, I'm like, why is this annoying? Like, this is so annoying. It's like when your little brother's in your face, like thinking, saying things that he thinks he can do, and you're like, you can't do that. You can't shoot up a, you can't shoot up a liquor store. Oh my, is that what <laughs> or, you know? Like people no, said, no, no, but you know, like when kids think they're capable of what they do in video games, like right. I, you know, like they're like bratty. So, it's like that's that performance to me is like, ugh, this is an annoying kid. Yeah, he is. He's absolutely an annoying kid. They're both annoying. Yeah, totally. Well, let's keep going because this one's this, this next one's a little short. So Sam rounds up the Frog Brothers and they decide to take matters into their own hands during the daylight. They arm themselves with stakes and decide to go into the cave to kill the gang. In the lair, Michael finds a sleeping Star and Laddie and helps them escape. The Frog Brothers and Sam find the sleeping gang hung upside down from the ceiling of the cave. The boys stake their first vamp, Marco, played by Alex Winter, with the crop top, (laughs) who begins to scream and pour glittery blood, awakening David. David chases the boys to the edge of the cave, but is stopped by the sunlight. With a tear in his eye, David vows revenge tonight yes i i love i really like this moment i feel like this is where the action finally kicks in yeah like we're getting somewhere now one of them is dead so what's right exactly now there's like major conflict and um you know they've sort of uh poked the bear in a way yeah in the the cave yeah exactly and i think that it's this is when the action just really ramps up and I really like it from here on out. Um, I love the glittery blood. I don't know. How, did you know? I love it. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. When they walk out and you can finally see them covered in it and it's full of glitter. Yes. I mean, I'm like uh, that their fucking party. Right. Is. I'm like, that is so campy. <laughs> it's so glam. And I'm like, if I like, that is such my aesthetic of vampire with glittery blood. Like shit. Like it doesn't sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drink from that bottle. It's really cool. I think that 
David in this moment where he, you know, he has that sort of like emotional moment. Yes. Oh my God. This definitely plays into like, it's like, it's almost, and it's almost like when Marco gets staked, it's almost like he can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause, cause in a way, like, I mean, not only is Marco screaming, but he like physically wakes, right. like he wakes up, like they're all connected. Like he's in pain. Yeah. 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 Totally. So it's like, but okay. And also the longer you go, so is David a full vampire or like a half vampire? Did he get bit or did he get? I think he's a. You know what I mean? Because I think he's a full he's vampire. He's the only one that can't step into the light. I mean, I don't think any of the. Other, I don't think there's a moment where any of them other, any other of them do. Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael is rushing out. Star right. That's and I think if you're a half vampire, like, you you can you can go in the sun. You had like. But what about? Oh, well, I guess they don't show Max in the sun. Right, yeah. He's always at the video store at night. Their dates are always at night. Yeah, we never see him during the day. So if you're a vampire, you you can't go into the sun. If you're a half vampire, you can have all the fun. Honestly, it sounds much better to be a half vampire. (laughs) Yeah, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, (laughs) Hannah Montana. But um, (laughs) yeah, but I really like that moment where like, I like the fact that like, David has a tear in his eye when it when they escape, and I'm like, is it just because he like, it's like one of those things where you like stub your toe and you're like ah, and you have like you start crying because it hurts after he burns <laughs> his hand, or is it because he he loves his little family, he loves his little gang, like these are his brothers, yeah. and who knows how long they've been together? Again, we don't have any right. character development, oh, so we yeah. don't know. Totally, they might have been together for centuries. I, I watched an interview with Kiefer Sutherland where he said that when they were ta- there was talks about a prequel to this film after this one was such a, such a success. He said it was like a half hour conversation with Joel Schumacher over a bottle of wine and never heard anything about it ever again. But what it was supposed to be was that um, there was going to be an earthquake or like it was going to be a prequel set in like 1920 during the earthquake in San Francisco and that the earthquake released them from underground oh and so i don't know so because i know that the writer of near dark wrote a prequel like a full prequel and it was called the lost boys the beginning and it was about david being in 1906 and then how they they migrated to santa clara from the earthquake santa clara that's when 1906 or santa santa clara is a real place that's a real place. Okay. So Santa Carla, that they migrate to Santa Carla because of the earthquake. And that's when they find their lair because that's what their right. lair is. It was a resort in Santa Carla before mm. the SF earthquake, which shook it to the ground. So, I, but maybe it incorporated that too. But I heard that it was a full script and it was written by the near dark writer, which is another great vampire film. Right. I mean, not a, I mean, as far as Kiefer Sutherland knows, it, <laughs> Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> as far as he knows he doesn't know anything about it so um yeah so it probably was never for you know for real for real it was just fanfic mm-hmm. what i keep what i keep noticing when we go section by section because this is when the kids get more involved and i know usually we're like we want to be those kids the ones in the middle of all the action yeah. like Jurassic park or something like that right but i think that they add this element of just corniness that the movie didn't need like, I felt like they could have kept the seriousness or like, you know, like their seriousness isn't organic. Like it's mm. very forced and like, 
like it's like a comedy like it's part comedy like Corey Feldman's seriousness is comedy is comedy right but it's like it doesn't I don't know it just doesn't blend well to me I know I for me it works I think it's fun I I do want to be these kids like I do want to have this great adventure fighting vampires um it's yeah I don't know it for me yeah. it does work for me I don't know I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it doesn't work. It's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Stand. Stand strong. Live your truth. I'll stand strong. I am. Here I am. (laughs) Hear me. (laughs) Hear me. All right. um, So moving on. As Michael and the boys carry Star and Laddie into their house, Grandpa seems to be unfazed by their agency. Sam tries to confess to his mother about the vampires at the video store, but Lucy is not having it. They realize they're on their own and must prepare for a war with the vampires when the sun sets. They send Grandpa away and begin to board up the house, crush garlic, and fill the tub with holy water. As night falls, the vampires fly their way to the Emerson house. Forgetting they left Nanook tied up outside, Sam and Michael race out to save him as the vampires fly towards the house. As Michael and Sam make it inside, the gang begins to infiltrate the house. The Frog Brothers battle vampire Paul, played by Brooke McCarter, in the bathroom, but he's ultimately bested by Nanook, who tackles him into the bathtub full of holy water, causing the blood to explode from every drain in the house. Sam is attacked by a vampire Dwayne, played by Billy Worth. Oof, he's so sexy. Ugh. Yummy. Um I was like, I'm not gonna kill you, Daddy. Yeah, I'm like, stake me <laughs> <laughs> with your dick. <laughs> Uh, but takes him out with two arrows, causing him to be electrocuted by the jukebox and explode. David is able to isolate Michael from the rest of the group while Sam goes upstairs to reconvene with the Frog Brothers. After celebrating their victories, Laddie begins to succumb to his vampirism, causing the boys to attack. They're stopped by Star, who claims he's only a boy. David and Michael continue their confrontation, throwing each other around the house while David demands that Michael join them. Michael bests David and impales him on a set of horns from Grandpa's taxidermy pile. Oh, oh no, David. So, I know, but there's so many good moments in this section of the film. Yeah, this is the best. This is like when the film is at its full on best, I would say. Prime action. Yeah, I love the death scenes of each of the vampires. I think David's is kind of like whack. I wish right. I, we no, would have gotten a little bit more. Totally. But I love the bath tub full of holy water and garlic and he just explodes blood out of every pipe <laughs> yes, in the house that, it's so nightmare on elm street oh totally the practical effects in this movie are really cool like the, they're really cool and like really creative like and i like that they established and like it was just like a line or two that they say but they're like some like the vampires go in different ways so that really gave them yeah like, it's like thrown in there yeah which gives them the opportunity to really do whatever they wanted as far as their deaths like they can go quietly or they can go dramatic as fuck which we get the full spectrum you know because yeah. because when uh paul, paul yeah when paul goes it's this big dramatic bloodbath blood bath. <laughs> you know and uh Dwayne, he goes he's a big explosion and then we have this the kind death of by stereo yes death by stereo <laughs> that's such like an mtv generation like line yeah totally yeah it was like this heavy rock music playing and he's just like electrocuting <laughs> on the radio yeah and then um david seems to go quite uh quietly and whim- yeah. whimsically he's just like i'm gonna 
He has that, such a, like, that, like, baby fat on his face, and, like, that, that white light that's on him just makes him look angelic. I was like, this is, that's interesting. That they-, they play with that a lot, like, that angelic. I think even their makeup was intended to make them look like biblical paintings of angels. Yeah. Like, demonic angels, and I think that works. I think yeah. they have enough innocence in them still, and youth. Yeah to play that off hell's angels if you will since they're a motorcycle gang <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> isn't it so i always find it so interesting in vampire movies that vampires are so like scary but they're also like really fragile <laughs> like when you think about it like yeah they're kind of sensitive yeah like they're, they're like fra- they always do things for love yeah, but i mean like physically like their weaknesses oh. are so these are like you know going in the sunlight like these are things humans can openly do but you put a vampire and they fucking explode or you know into a million water i mean water can kill them like that's hilarious like just this is just like a i don't know the elements yeah yeah the elements so as far as like that final confrontation between david and michael i wish there was more dialogue I do feel like it, mm. it's kind of quick. And the only dialogue that's really between them is David telling Michael to join them. But again, we don't know why. Why does he want him to join yeah. them so badly? What happens next? Why don't you say something like, join us and then dot, dot, dot. And then we can take over the world or we can run Santa Carla or we could be boyfriends. Or, I don't know. Like, yeah. There's there's just this movie does suffer from character yeah, de- yeah. lack like, of character just, development. It's kind of like a like in, at the end of the day, kind of a weak script. Like if you look at it analy- mm-hmm. you know, from a more analytical standpoint. And I think any time a, a script has major shifts in its storytelling like that, that you're gonna get holes and you know moments that should have been longer or. Yeah. You know, right. And I, more character development. Right. I think this is a, a prime opportunity for them to really establish why the vampires were doing what they were doing. And I don't think that they did. I think it was. And I, and I love the action in this, in these scenes. I love the, the visual effects, the practical effects. I think they're all great, but I just think it, it's weak in the script area. It needed the heart. Yes. And I also think <laughs> that I, I find that star is really underutilized in this whole finale. Yeah, totally. She's like hiding. The yeah, whole time. she just hides the whole time. She she like stops them from killing Laddie. But it's like I would have loved a moment where she gets to show some strength since she is sort of also a victim in this situation. Yeah, and she kind of orchestrated this whole Michael being lured into the group and yeah. you know being in love with him and all of this. So it's like, why aren't you protecting your man? She ain't real, right? I mean, it would have been nice <laughs> to know that, yeah, like she had something to lose too, so she fought harder. You know, she's she's also a fucking vampire, half vampire. Doesn't she have strength? I mean, she could teleport, but doesn't she have some sort of something to offer in this big fight at the end? I don't know. I it, I, know. I do think I do think that's even Laddie has sort of a moment of. Of, a threaten, yeah. of threatening the group. Right, exactly. Is this only a man's game or female vampires just weak sauce? Like, Yeah, they're women, so they're weak. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I, re- I, I do wish that Star had a, had a moment or something at the end where she wasn't so, I don't know, come across so weak and cowardly and where she, I don't know, stood up for herself and the fact that she is also yeah. in this situation. That would have been nice to see, I think. And she was really the one that desired to get out. Michael may have been seducted by seducted, David. You not know, seducted. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it sounded wrong. 
seduced. <laughs> Michael could have, I think if Star was in the picture, Michael could have had some, you know, that seduction from David of, you know, seducing him into the group. <laughs> right. No, totally. Um, and been, and fell in love with that lifestyle that they did have, never growing up, always staying young, because that's every man's dream is to never grow up, right. never make any commitments and, you know, just be amateur forever. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> um, but Star is really the one that sets this fire, like, we need to get out of this. And I know you yeah. can help me. I need you know, to help me. the user. Yeah, it's like, I need you to help me. But she's like, I want you to do all the work and I'm just going to hide in the closet. I'm like, no, girl. Yeah, because there's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know. I think she could have. Yeah, I think that's a detriment to her character. But um, I think yeah. we've, we've sort of come to our last bit of the synopsis and then we finish the film. Our last two rounds. All right. Yeah. So take it away. Michael and Star realize they haven't returned to being fully human as Max and Lucy arrive at the house. Max, seeing David dead, starts to take claim to the gang and admits that he is the head vampire after all, and that all their previous tests had failed because they invited him inside the house, rendering them powerless, and that he has been after Lucy this entire time to give the boys a mother figure and blend their families. A final battle takes place between Max and the boys, but they are saved by Grandpa, who drives through the wall, (laughs) impaling Max and causing him to explode into fire. (laughs) Michael, Star, and Laddie are all returned to their human selves, and Grandpa claims that the one thing he can't stand about living in Santa Carla are all the damn vampires. The end. (laughs) All the motherfucking vampires. (laughs) I'm tired of these motherfucking vampires in this motherfucking town. (laughs) I know. We definitely need a remake with Samuel L. Jackson as Grandpa. <laughs> as Grandpa. Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. And really lean into the queer theories. Oh, yeah. That everyone's explored. Literally. So right now we have we have a fake out ending, which is kind of like, yeah. you know, that's nice. That That's sort of like a, a future thing that they may be a little before its time to have like the fake out yeah, ending. Yeah, have like a false ending. Yeah. Because at that point, the, yeah, movies were very rhythmic and so you kind of everything was predictable in the 80s right exactly the bad guy dies and it's over but we didn't know who the bad guy actually was which was max so but i mean yeah so we had like a lot of red herrings about max but they were just disproven because of this rule that this movie created where um you know they were powerless to out him um but uh, it was him after all. And uh, I do like this, like, thing, like how it kind of became about Lucy in the end. But he's like, well, I was after you the whole time. And it's like, we didn't really see their story so much, but. No, it, we just saw her very eager to go on dates. Right. Like, Damn, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there was probably a whole nother story going on there. The planning of that, like. I think that's really funny that he was like the main villain, but we never really saw him conspire as the villain. Like, what, what yeah. was his plan? Was he having meetings with the boys about this? Did they know about this? I don't know. Yeah. Like, and again, like, where are they from? Where are they from? <laughs> Were they always in Santa Carla? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And I think that it is sad that David dies and Michael looks at Star and is like, I haven't changed back. You know, I'm still ugly. And <laughs> it's <laughs> as ugly as he can be. Right. Um, and... And then you realize it was Max the entire time. Then there's this like, almost like this loss, like that you got for like a letdown from the movie. You're like, well, what is the purpose? Like, what was David's purpose? Why David? Yeah. Why the boys? Why did they do why anything? Why, why did they do any of this? 
I know. I, I don't even care about you. You're barely in the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know. I just think, yeah, I think the lack of a resolution, because right after this happened, Max dies. They all turn back into humans. And then Grandpa says a quippy line, and then it's over. I'm like, oh, God, I just wish we would have at least been given a resolution where how do they feel yeah. about what just happened how do they get on or you know, obviously like the frog brothers do star and michael end up together right is that a thing or are they just gonna be friends now because michael realized is laddie reunited with his parents yeah is laddie reunited with his parents are michael and star together now does sam join the frog brothers becoming a vampire hunter does lucy think i'm not keeping my fucking family in this town where there are vampires like what is going what on? What is going on? Did they move Grandpa into a home? Yeah, like, does Grandpa <laughs> die? Like, does he... <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, again, I just really wish that there was more... Uh, explanation. More explanation, more meat in this script, and unfortunately there's not. But, oh well. <laughs> it's the- Like, Max doesn't even give a solid... He's just like, I wanted you to join my family. It's like, why did you need them in your family? Yeah. Like, where is this going? And then he dies. Another, and again, it's like the two main characters that could give us some sort of clue as to why this even happened in the first place die so quickly that we don't get anything. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad all these people survived this random thing that happened to them with no explanation. I hope that they can get get on with their lives now. Yeah, I found myself underwhelmed at the end of this because I actually had never seen the ending. Oh, wow. Until recently. I think I've seen everything up until this part. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I've never actually seen how this concludes. And I was feeling underwhelmed and sort of like lost, boy. Oh, dang. <laughs> Honestly, the most disappointing t- thing to me is that most likely Michael and Star end up together. I'm like, barf. Ew. Well, yeah, because he killed the vampire within himself. Yeah, he killed the gay. Killed the gay away. And, um, now he's in And see, that's my thing, too, is that, like, he ends up going back to normal, which, in a queer theory, would be straight. (laughs) Yeah. He goes, (laughs) now he's, you know, he's fighting back the demons of being gay. And he's, you know, can continue his fake ass romance with Star. So I'm like, and but with a gay, with pretty much with a gay storyteller at the helm of this project, it's like, but that's not what he would want. I know, I know. Come on, I mean. So it is a weak. It is a weak. The queer theory behind this movie is weak because there it was a gay man directing the movie and had a lot of basically changed wrote the movie basically changed the entire script so i'm like would he want it to be portrayed that way or is that how it's supposed to be i mean i don't know i guess it's just like because it's technically an undertone it's not necessarily like an actual right, right it's not it's not like an actual thing within the script it's obviously undertones you know the the mm-hmm. conclusion to this film has is a happy ending so the happy ending that we the obvious happy ending that we would get would be that michael ends up happy with star at the end because they're so attracted to each other and they fucked once like you know a few minutes ago yeah one time yeah <laughs> that was one time. yeah one time but uh i know i don't mean i don't know what the conclusion to your queer theory is but mine is just that there were gay undertones because the director was gay and he had a clear vision as to who he wanted up there playing that saxophone. And he had a clear vision as to who he wanted playing these vampires. And it gives it that, you know, he has that, he gave it that flair. But I don't think it's necessarily 
enough in the storytelling to like find I know some people say like your chosen family but I'm like what if they didn't choose this we don't even know that I mean I mean that's true I don't know I think that there's just something inherently like sexually Gay. fluid <laughs> about the vampire mythology in general it's about you know the lone yeah, like the true. loneliness and like the need for companionship in general and that they're they're not necessarily picky about who they choose you know like yeah and um i don't know there i guess it, yeah it is hard to like form like a, a final queer reading of this film but I do think that there are ways for it to be read throughout it. I don't think that I don't think the ending necessarily lines up with that queer theory. Like there's not like a right. there's not like a period at the end of like the the queer thesis in this film. But I um, yeah I do think that I it's, remember I reading it's pretty too obvious that they that this movie had like did not have a happy ending. And I'm like what? Yes, it does. It's like too happy. I mean maybe like I wanted Michael to be stuck as a vampire. I mean maybe people uh, <laughs> wanted. Michael and David to get be together in the end, and they didn't get that. They didn't because he killed him. Maybe that's why it's a tragic ending. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just have like some so my pros for this movie. I would say are okay. I love the aesthetic. I think it's uh, I think it's the amazing. It. I think the boys are hot. Um, I love the soundtrack. I think it has an like, awesome like '80s rock soundtrack. Uh, I think the fashion, the fashion. I love the setting. I love the, this like beach boardwalky vampire setting. I think that's really original. I love the practical effects. Um, I love the. I lo- I honestly I like the weird unique vampire rules. I I don't hate them. Yeah, they kind of keep you on the edge of your seat, I guess. Right. Keep you guessing. Right, exactly. And then I do <laughs> and then I do really appreciate the queer undertones, I would say, that they exist. Yeah. I definitely appreciate the flamboyant touch to this film. Yeah. Um, I think that every time there's stage lighting during a murder scene, it's like that's the movie I wanna watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? The camp value. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely think that my pros would be the Drum, the drama of it all, yeah. the, the the campiness of it, um, and I do really love the aesthetic. I love that dark, grungy, punky rock look. Yeah. I love everything about it. The lair, yeah, uh, which we didn't really talk about much, yeah. but just the even the backstory of the lair is cool. But then we go to our cons, and that's the thing is that the lair had more backstory. <laughs> yeah, than the people. Yeah, so my cons are definitely that I think the characters are unfortunately underdeveloped. We don't know much about any of them. We, I think the mo- the one that we probably know the most about and is Sam. I feel like he gets a pretty good arc from being, you know, I don't know. He kind of discovers where he fits in in this in this new town. He's found new friends. He's his purpose has been to save his brother. I know. I think he gets a really good developed story. But all the rest of the character, we don't even get to know a damn thing. I don't even know. If I hadn't looked up the name of the other vampires, if I would ever know their names other than Marco, because they say, because, because Paul says Marco at one point. He's like, yeah. you kill Marco. Yeah. <laughs> With the best acting in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that this movie for me has two weaknesses and it's the, the character development. Yeah. Um, and also the blend of the child characters with 
the more mature, sexy dra- vampire drama right. that's also taking place. So it's kind of like those didn't blend well for me. I felt like they could have just been buffed out just a little bit, yeah. just made little tiny changes to the performances and some of the lines and reactions, and it would have been... <laughs> A little better. Yeah. But it's the 80s and you kind of always expect like a tongue-in-cheek sort of campy, happy ending type movie. Totally. Whether it's the Gremlins or the Lost Boys. Yeah, or absolutely. You want to know something? And this is something I've talked about to people for a long time. But honestly, my dream is to make a Lost Boys musical. I think that would be so good. And apparently, it would be. Apparently, it was recently announced that they are making it into a musical. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I was kind of like, damn it, that's my fucking idea. But um, I don't know. I, I think that it would honestly help because you know, in musicals, it, when when characters are singing, it's like their it's like their inner monologue coming out. You know, right? It's like, and I think that that could potentially. Uh, fix some of these like underdeveloped character Pause. things you know we can yeah. we have the oppor- we can get the opportunity to know why these characters are doing what they're doing um how they Express how, how they through song. yeah how they feel about what's happening to them like does do they enjoy this are they scared i don't know like and i honestly that would expand more and leading it into a queer Oh, for sure. It totally would. If you could expand these characters, it definitely would have been a queer movie. Definitely. This 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 shit could be the Mamma Mia of vampire musicals. (laughs) 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 Um, no, I so I don't know. I I, so I'm curious to see what this announced Lost Boys musical will be like if it ever comes to be. But I know I if I did it, I would want just like pure like eighties rock music. Like as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, totally. it would totally be full on camp, but um, it, I think it'd be super fun, and I think it. I think there's an. Would, yeah. I think the characters are cool enough to make really um, fleshed out musical characters. I think the boys would have like some cool, sexy dance numbers and rock vocals. Ooh, shirtless, and, preferably. Yes. Ooh, that'd be so good. And yeah, maybe we could really lean into those under, those gay undertones. Well, and we're also getting more storyline from the Lost Boys universe through the CW show that is currently in the works. Apparently, they started filming this year. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. What is yeah, the CW run? Why have been Netflix? Yeah, I know. If it would have been Netflix, I would or Hulu, I would have been like, okay, or Pornhub, yeah, <laughs> or Pornhub dot com <laughs> slash the Lost Boys. Ah. Uh, only fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that there's obviously going to be more chance to tell a story because the synopsis, because they already have like cast members that have been announced and stuff. And the synopsis is that there's this family that moves to Santa Carla, a single mother with two boys. And it's basically a retelling of the movie, but with different character names. Right. So who knows if it's supposed to be in the same universe. Oh, it's, it's going to be 2020, same... which is going to suck. If they kept like that, right. I'm sure they're going to like update it to like now, but I would love it if they would just, if they'll keep it 80s. Yeah, I would love if they kept it in 80s. They won't. That would be great. They won't. No, because they need to, that's for fucking kids. Yeah. Stupid then, channel. yeah, they need to appeal to the fucking Riverdale crew. 
you know, yeah, audience. but maybe it'll be like Riverdale where it's like modern day. They have cell phones, but they look like they're from the 50s or 60s. Oh, yeah. Maybe it'll be that. Maybe, like, well, they'll have cell phones, but they'll be like 80s. Like 80s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that happening. I don't know. I, I'm not sold on the idea of it. No, neither am I. I wish I don't. I've never seen the sequels to this movie. No, we. I don't even I don't even think they exist. They don't even exist to me. <laughs> okay, so Nancy, no, she didn't come. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, they have like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I'm not gonna waste my time. I'm not gonna waste my time on it. Um, and then also, there was that se- that prequel that we kind of discussed earlier that never got made. And then also something that I thought would have been amazing was that Joel Schumacher ditched the prequel idea and came up with a short outline of The Lost Girls and in talks to be the lead was Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That would have been... That would have been funny. That would have been so awesome. (laughs) Guys, there are vampires here in Santa Carla. This is the murder capital of the world. Yeah. What's <laughs> going on with all these vampires here? <laughs> Are you a blood-sucking vampire? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> um, which, honestly, I kind of would have liked. But to me, the female version of this movie is The Craft. Oh, okay. It's like, the, I kind of put it in, like, if I'm in the mood to watch do like a double feature night uh, and I'm like I want to watch The Craft what else should I watch I would say The Lost Boys I think that this is sure they're perfect counterparts for each other totally no I think so I mean I think the boy version of The Craft is that movie Chronicle have you heard of that one oh uh, they're like the same yeah. they're like the same plot <laughs> they have like powers yeah that's the but, but no I totally I could I could definitely yeah I would put those two witches and vampires yeah no I think that they they could coincide pretty well yeah teen drama teen angst teen angst yeah romance drama romance, yeah for sure all right well i mean i think that we've uh we've sucked this one dry <laughs> that was a good one which one? Oh god i, I know that was a I good wish one it's michael 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 okay you take michael i'll take Dwayne. all right all right i'm down I love it. I love that. Ugh. Yeah. So hot to me. <laughs> this movie's so sexy Pre- to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he was just a model in New York. Like, all right, why not? He, we're not going to give him any lines. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, the other one probably was too. Not Alex Winter, but. Yeah. Was it Heather McNamara? <laughs> <laughs> Heather McNamara. <laughs> the hair. I hate you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, make sure that you guys follow us on social media. We are, um, you can find us on Instagram at fearthetalkingqueers.com. You can email us, uh, fearthetalkingqueers at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.fearthetalkingqueers.com. And yeah, that's about it. You make sure you're tuning into our, to our social media. We are constantly interacting with people and we want to interact yeah, with you. Yeah, we have a new we have a new feature Soundtrack Sunday. Oh yes! Which is really exciting, which we just literally we we put our own we make our own soundtrack, like songs that were like, not necessarily from the actual soundtrack, but ones that were like, oh yeah, I think that I, that inspires this me. totally vibe with this Yeah, movie. totally. 
Hits. That's the original motion picture playlist by Fear the Talking Queers every Sunday for the movie that we're doing that week. Yes, on Spotify. So if you have a Spotify account, you can follow the playlist and, you know, rock out or, you know, live your life to the playlist. With your cock out. Oh my God. <laughs> this is a family <laughs> show. <laughs> is that? <there? Yeah. laughs> we're talking about a second dick. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, so, um, but yeah, so follow our our Spotify playlist, and um, you know, follow us on Instagram. Join us. You know you want to. Yes. Yeah. You know you want to be one of us. Yeah. Join us for no reason. <laughs> Michael. Michael. <laughs> All right. Um, we shall talk to you all later. Have a good night. Sweet screams, Michael. <laughs> and star. Yeah. <laughs> and bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.